I'm going to read after, out of 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 6 through 13. It is an honor to stand behind this pulpit. Oh, how I love this church. I would not be who I am today without New Life Church and the people in it. I do give honor to our pastor, though he's not here. If you are new, come back next week. There's someone a lot better than I who will be preaching. I love my pastor, and I do give honor to him in his absence. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 6 through 13. Let me give you a little context here. Solomon has just completed the building of the temple of God. We'll talk more about that as we go on this morning. But he just completed the building of this temple. And they're bringing in the Ark of the Covenant. And if you're unfamiliar with the Ark of the Covenant, this was the representation of the presence of God. This was the representation of the Spirit of God. The Lord... Speaking to Moses on top of Mount Sinai, he, he gave him the Ten Commandments, he gave him the law, but he gave him the plan, Pastor Chris, for a tabernacle. He gave him the plan for the ark, and he said, I, I want to dwell among you, I want to be in your midst, so build me a tabernacle. And this tabernacle was one that was portable, the, the original tabernacle. Made of curtains and animal skin. That everywhere the children of Israel would go, so would the tabernacle, and so would the Ark of the Covenant, and in turn, so would the presence of God. But we see here Solomon has built a permanent place for the Lord, a permanent temple to replace the tabernacle. And we'll pick up there in verse 6. It says, Then the priests brought the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to its place into the inner sanctuary of the temple, to the most holy place, under the wing of the cherubim. For the cherubim spread their two wings over the place of the ark, and the cherubim overshadowed the ark and its poles. The poles extended so that the ends of the poles could be seen from the holy place in front of the inner sanctuary, but they could not be seen outside, and they are there to this day. Verse 9, nothing was in the ark except the two tablets of stone, which Moses put there at Horeb when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel when they came out of the land of Egypt. And it came to pass when the priests came out of the holy place that the, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Then Solomon spoke, said, The Lord said he would dwell in the dark cloud. I have surely built an exalted house and a place for you to dwell in forever. Can you say that? Dwell in forever. Now I'll let you be seated here. And before I read my next text, we, we understand. Yeah, you may be seated. Solomon has built this permanent temple for God to dwell in forever. However, I want to fast forward a little bit on the onset of this sermon. Because we no longer have to journey to the temple to feel the presence of the Lord. 
Jesus, God, robed himself in flesh and he walked among us and he came as the atonement of our sin. This sin that separated us from the beginning, from the fall of man. He came so that he would be that perfect lamb, that spotless lamb, that he would give his life for us. And so, Brother Odell, he journeyed to the cross and he gave himself for us on Calvary. And and what happened on Calvary when he gave his last breath and he and he passed on on the cross. What happened was something very spectacular in the temple. See, I mentioned that the Ark of the Covenant was housed inside the temple, but it was housed in the innermost place called the most holy place or the holy of holies place, a place that no one could access except for the high priest, and he would only be able to access it once a year. And what separated this, the holy place, what separated the Ark of the Covenant or the representation of the presence of God was this veil, Sister Sarah, that would allow or represent presented a barrier between God and his people. But on that day on Calvary, when the Lord gave himself up and he defeated sin and he gave his life as an atonement for our sin, there was something that happened in the temple, Pastor Nada, that, 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 that signified that there was no longer a barrier between us and the Lord. What happened is when the Lord passed on on the cross, it says that in the temple, the veil torn between the holy place and the most holy place signifying signifying that there was no longer a separation between the presence of God and his people. We continue that the, the book of Acts and the Lord tells this, his disciples, go and tarry in Jerusalem for I'm going to send the promise of the Father. And it's going to come upon you, speaking of the Spirit of God. And in Acts chapter 2, we see the infillment of that promise as, as his people lift up their hands and worship him. And he, the Lord fills them with the Holy Ghost. It's the evidence of speaking with other tongues. Now, where the presence of God only resided in the temple. Now it, now it resided in his people. That's why I want to read 1 Corinthians 3, 16 through 17. Paul is writing to the Corinthians and he says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God? That the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy. Which temple are you? What we must understand is that the temple in the Old Testament has passed away, and now we, his people, are the temple of the New Testament, of the New Covenant. He is looking for people for his spirit to dwell. So I want to preach a little bit today on a dwelling place. A dwelling place. Ah. Oh, I feel it so strongly in my spirit. It's, it's Vision Sunday. That's what I'm, I was told. I, I asked Pastor Nate, and I said, am I supposed to cast a vision for a new life? I said, that's kind of a senior pastor role. But they're like, no, no, don't do that. And I was like, ooh, good. <laughs> Saved you all. Vision for new life. Greater budget for Nexus student ministry. Hallelujah. The Lord just swept in this place. <laughs> oh, my. I have a list here, Pastor Larry. Do you want me to continue or I just send that over to you? Okay, perfect. I'll text it to you. 
It's a long list. I'll have to probably email it. But I'm here to, and I do feel the Lord has ordained me and he's sent me to speak to the, to the younger generation of new life. But I believe this is a word not just for the younger generation, but for the church as the whole. Because let me just tell you in risk of losing you the rest of the service, I'm going to tell you my main point right on the get-go, what I feel the word of the Lord is. That God wants his people and his church to be a consistent and a permanent dwelling place for his spirit. If we want to be successful in the kingdom, it starts, Brother Fowl, by being a dwelling place for God's spirit. If we want to see new life advance in the kingdom of God, us, his people, must first be a dwelling place for his spirit. We must today make up in our mind that I am going to be a dwelling place for God's spirit. I'm going to lift up my hands and say, Lord, if you're looking for a temple, here I am. Lord, if you're looking for a place to dwell, here I am fill me today with your spirit first John 4 and 13 it says by this we know that we abide in him in him in us because he has given of us his spirit we are this dwelling place God has always sought to dwell among his people from the very beginning, he has sought a dwelling place. This is evident even in the first pages of your Bible. In Genesis chapter 3, it says the Lord walked in the garden in the cool of the day. He was searching for Adam and Eve. He was, he was looking to dwell with them. He was looking to have communion with them. He was looking to have relationship with them. And when he couldn't find them, he didn't turn around and leave. But this jumped at me yesterday. I was reading it. It says he lifted his voice and said, where are you? He was seeking after them. He was looking for them because he desired to dwell with them. It is the same in the beginning of your Bible as it is in the end of the Bible, as it is from generation to generation, as it is today. God is always sought to dwell among his people. You know what really jumped out of me about the story of Adam and Eve, about God looking for them, searching for them, asking Adam and Eve, where are you? I'm looking for you. I've never really thought about it until last night, just because y'all are a lot smarter than me. But God, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present, already knew. He already knew what Adam and Eve had done. He already knew they'd taken of the fruit. He already knew that he, they disobeyed the one commandment that he had given them. Yet he was still searching for them. He was still looking for them. He already knew that they had succumbed to temptation. But he said, I long to dwell with them, Pastor Chris. I long and I'm seeking after them. And I'm searching after them. He was looking for them. Regardless of the sin that he, they had just committed. 
Can I speak to someone today? You might have been running. You might be like Adam and Eve and you're hiding. You're trying to run away from God or maybe you have been. And this is the first day that you've turned back to him. God has never stopped seeking you out. But he's always looking. He's always reaching. He's always calling for you. He's always standing there and saying, where are you? For I am here and I wish to dwell with you. I wish to reside with you. I wish to have a relationship with you let us not be deceived that our past could be a barrier between ourselves and God he dealt with that on the cross he dealt with that when he went to Calvary let us not be deceived that God stopped looking for us when we stepped into temptation let us not be deceived that God threw us away and turned his back on us when we turned his back when we turned our back on him but yet he's always standing there he is faithful the word says he's never left us nor forsaken us but he's there seeking you and I He's there looking for us because God desires to dwell with his people. He desires to dwell with us. He desires to have relationship with us. Oh, and if we are going to be his people, we must establish that we will be his dwelling place. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor. Give him a high five and say, I will be his dwelling place. But let's talk about the temple for a moment. If you read through 1 Kings, it begins to give you a description of the temple and what a glorious temple it was that Solomon had built. You can get on, I've actually done it several times. You can get online and you can look up what people believe through the instructions of Second or First Kings of what the temple would look like. And I would tell anybody, go look at it because it's just a marvelous, magnificent building that was constructed. But let me tell you that building this temple, it took a little bit of work. Anybody ever built something in here? Yeah? My, my wife, she always asked me this question. If I'm ever, I, I served as the promotion director for our state youth department, and I, I was in charge, Pastor Nate, of building backdrops. You know what that's like. And she always asked me, Brandon, the same question, and I love her. And I always ask, why do you ask me this question? But she asks, she says, how long do you think it's going to take for you to build X, Y, Z? I'm not a master carpenter. Maybe one day I will be. But if you've ever built anything here, does anybody know that your estimated time, you might probably should just double it? Anybody? Yeah, raise your hand if you know. Yeah, yeah. It is. I mean, you can ask Pastor Larry or anybody here who was in charge of the building of this beautiful building. There was a date set, but it took a little longer. We're past that. We're not bitter. But it took a little longer because building something takes work and and you build something and there's, there, maybe there's an issue that arises that you didn't know. You had to dig out a bunch of dirt and put a whole bunch of dirt back in. Or you had to do this or that. Or, or maybe you, you bought some lumber and it, it wasn't the right lumber. You had to take it back and wait for some more to come in. Or if you're building a house now, it takes six months to just get windows in. It takes a little longer to build some things. 
takes a little work too. It's hard. And they say, most agree, that the building of Solomon's temple took seven years. That's a long building project. It's a long building project. It took a little bit of work to build this temple. And I hope you understand what I'm preaching today. I'm I'm using a parallel between the temple in the Old Testament and who God has called us to be, the temple of his spirit in the new covenant, in this new testament. But just like it took Solomon a little work to build the temple, it takes us a little bit of work to get us ready. It takes us a little bit of work to make sure that we're a temple that God can can fill and God can dwell and God can reside. Let me tell you, no one's perfect in here. We've all fallen short. We've all sinned. We all have to work in our lives. But I pray that everyone would put in the work consistently every day and saying, Lord, I'm consistently working in my life so that you can consistently dwell in me and you can continually direct me and you can continually guide me. It takes a little bit of work to build a temple. You know, I read something very interesting while I was studying for this sermon, and it, and it wasn't really about the temple, but just about the culture of building in that time, in an ancient Near Eastern time, that, that there was this culture that when a king would be thrown, a new king would take the throne, Brother Weatherly, what would happen is they would build themselves a new palace. The majority of the time, they would build themselves a new palace. And, and they, they, even though there might be a great new palace already there from the previous king, they would build themselves a new palace because there was this idea and this mindset amongst the people that the king's sovereignty was not fully in place until he had built his own dwelling place. His sovereignty, his power, his authority, it wasn't fully recognized until the king built his own place. Until he separated himself from the previous reign. Until he established himself as the new king. This is the house that I am dwelling in. Let me tell you, it takes a little bit of work to build a temple because we've got to separate ourselves from the old kings that we've served. There are, uh, there, are some, there are some things that we have allowed in our lives, some rulers that we've allowed to rule our lives and to reign our lives. And let me tell you, there's, some time, there's, a, time now, and it's, there's a time and it's now that we must decide that we're going to take those out of our lives and we're going we're gonna to build a life where only one king can reign. Only one king would dwell and his name is Jesus and his spirit would dwell inside of us. We're saying, I'm going to kick out everything else I used to serve. The old kings, we must kick them out. And they must be passed away, but we must serve Jesus. Some of us struggle so much to serve God because we're trying to fit him in the house of the old king. Why would I, why would I want to try to fit the Lord into a house that I've built for the things of this world? Why would I try to fit the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the only holy God, the only righteous King? Why would I try to fit him into my life, into a house that I've built for the things of this world? 
They cannot coexist. I've, I've, you, if you've ever tried to see a kingdom ruled by two kings, well, one, you're not going to see it. Because they didn't go forward. You can't exist with two kings because one will have one idea and another will have an, an, another idea. And the word says you can't serve two masters because you will love one and you'll hate the other. So we are getting so frustrated because we're trying to fit the Lord in a house that we built for others. But what would happen if there would be a revival of building a new life and a new house in our lives that says, Lord, I'm willing to take out everything. It might cost, cost me a little bit. It might be a little bit of work. But let me push everything out. Everything that's not of you. I don't want it in my life. I don't want it here. But Lord, I want you, the King of Kings, to be the only one that dwells in my life lord let me build a temple that's worthy of you today uh, hyphen you're looking for direction you're looking for guidance you're just you might might be confused and you don't know what lays on the horizon what you need to start at the very beginning to do is make yourself a dwelling place for the lord because when I make myself a dwelling place, then his peace comes after. His direction comes after. His guidance comes after. The power and the authority that he possesses comes after. But first, I must be willing to throw everything else aside and build a new house and build a new temple and say, Lord, I'm making room where only you can reside. Ah, next as you walk through the hallways of your school and you see the perversion and you just see the sin and just the way that this world has gone. I, I know and I hear what you tell me in class and, and I pray for you because I, I've never, I never faced that and pretty much everybody else in here hasn't either. But if you want to prevail in your school, if you want to prevail in, in your workplace, you must first make God a dwelling place in your life. Because when I decide, Lord, you can dwell here, then everybody else sees it around me. What would happen when a traveler, someone that was not from Jerusalem or Israel, what would happen when they would walk into the gates? They would see this temple. And they would realize really quickly that they might not truly understand everything about the God that they would serve. But they would say they hold them in importance. Because look at that great temple right there. Look at all the work that they've put into that temple right there. When I began to allow myself to be a dwelling place, people are going to look upon me and say, wow, I might not understand everything about their God. But what I do know is that they hold them in high regard. I do know that he's really important to them. And I do know that... That they're committed to them. I do know that they are sold out to the Lord. Kids life, I know you just had a great service. Oh, and I'm so thankful for that. Kids life, if you want to serve the Lord all your life, you want to love the Lord with all your heart, it starts with the dwelling place.
It starts by saying, Lord, here's my heart, and I want you to reside in my heart. I want you to live in my heart forever. Kids, if you want to serve the Lord and you want to do great things for God, and I believe you do, and I know you do because there's a calling and anointing on your life, but it must start with a dwelling place. It must start with a dwelling place. I want to say, Lord, I'm willing to put in the work. Lord, I'm willing. It might cost me some things. Can you imagine all the gold and all the fine things that was put in that temple, the cost that it took to buy the the, the to build that temple, the sacrifice that was made. But there was Solomon who said, it's, it doesn't matter the cost. It doesn't matter the sacrifice. But I am going to build this temple. I'm going to build it. Uh, I know I'm, it's a vision service. But like I said, I feel this is a word for everybody. So let me speak to some parents here. Let me teach to some parents here, I guess. David desired to build the temple. David did. He wanted to build the temple. But Joe, the Lord came to him and said, no, I'm not going to allow you to build the temple. Much blood on your hands. But what I am going to do, I'm going to give you a promise. That your son is going to come behind you. He's going to come after you. And he's going to reign, but he is all, he's going to be the one. That builds me this temple. I can imagine David, a man that the word says was a man after God's own heart. I can imagine, Brother Fout, that was hard for David to hear. Lord, I can't build the temple, but I desire, because David said, Lord, look at my palace. Look at my palace made of cedar and your, your home, your tabernacle is made with the skin of animals. But I want to build you. And the Lord says, no. But your son will. And what David did next, oh, stirs me as a father. Because David didn't cross his arms and cross his legs and sit on his throne and say, well, Lord, if you won't let me build it, then I'm going to just sit here and I'm going to pass away and then they can deal, all, deal with it. But the word says that David looked and said, this will be a great undertaking. So he began to prepare things for his son. I don't want to scream here, yell. I do that a lot. But I want you, I want you as parents, and I'm, I'm teaching to myself right now. We must understand that I cannot make up my son or my daughter's mind that they will make themselves a temple for God to dwell in forever. That they will make themselves a permanent dwelling place. But what I can do is I can prepare some things. Uh, Mammy, I can prepare some things. I can set some boundaries in my home. And I, I can put some principles inside of them that when it comes time for them to say, when it make that decision, that they would stand up and say, I remember what mom and dad told me. I remember what grandma and grandpa told me. I remember the things that they loved. I remember that the Lord never forsook them. So I will make myself. I'll make myself a dwelling place. Uh, 
New life has a great future. If, uh, if us as parents, and I'm, I'm preaching to myself here, if us as parents would make the commitment and say, I am going to begin to prepare things. I'm going to make my home a dwelling place for the Lord so that, that my kids, when they come to church or when they begin to pray, that they wouldn't be unfamiliar with the presence of God. Lord, help us if we raise a generation of students that are unaware and uncomfortable in the presence of God. Oh, you know why? You know why pastor puts such an emphasis on being led by the spirit? You know why kids life has special services like they did today? You know why the hyphen ministry holds prayer meetings and Nexus has prayer meetings? Because we want this generation to be familiar with the moving of God's spirit. How can I expect our students to stand up and walk in the gifts of the Spirit if they're unfamiliar with the Spirit itself? How can I expect them to bear the fruits of the Spirit when their life is not directed by the Spirit? But we as adults and parents and guardians must decide today. I'm not candid, make the decision for them, but I'm going to begin to prepare some things. Brother Darrell, we're going to prepare some things. We're going to make sure that they know what it means to be spirit-led. We're going to, Sister Sarah, I believe that there's going to be a group of kids' life that comes in the nexus that know how to follow after the leading of the Spirit. That there's going to be a nexus students that know how to go lay hands on the sick or give someone a word of knowledge because they are familiar with the Spirit. Let me tell you, these hyphen young adults, these students, these kids' life students, wherever they are, they are hungry for the things of God. Yeah. Come here, Jacob. Come here. This is embarrassing. This is embarrassing. This little brother right here. I'm sorry, buddy. I'm sorry. Come on back here with me. Come stand up here where everybody can see. Y'all are handsome. Let's give him a hand. I, I, this is this is way outside of Ethan's comfort zone. We all know Christian's an attention seeker, so he likes this. I'm just kidding. Stand up there. Yeah, y'all look good. Yeah, yeah, stand there. This wasn't planned or I would have let you know. I'm sorry. You can talk to the Lord about it after service. Let me give you an example. I just feel to, to share this with our, with our adults and our parents. I especially... If your kids are like me, with your kids li- they're in kids' life or younger. This is Christian. Everybody say, hi, Christian. This is a brother, Ethan. Everybody say, hi, Ethan. Christian and Ethan from birth, correct? They struggled with a disease called celiac. And if you don't know what that is, it's a, it's a gluten intolerance and it's just not good. No fun. No one likes having food allergies. And Christian and Ethan came into the youth group, and, and they moved back, and we loved them so much. I'm so thankful that they're a part of my youth group. So thankful for the fur tigs that they're a part of new life. But Christian and Ethan came, and it was probably a year and a half ago, 2022, 
summer camp, senior camp. I just came up to Christian one time. The Lord was moving and I, one night, and I said, Christian, you believe the Lord can heal your celiac? And he said, yes. I said, good, I like your faith. I said, let's pray. And so me and a good friend of mine, we prayed for Christian, and, and Christian got healed of celiac disease. Amen? There's a great photo, and I really need it, Christian. Send it to me after service. But there's a great photo of Christian at the concession stand after that very first service. And he is holding a cheeseburger. <laughs> and he has the biggest smile on his face because he has yet, he, he had not yet tasted the cheeseburger. <laughs> and so he was eating his cheeseburger for the first time. And we, we praise the Lord for that. But Ethan, Ethan was still struggling with celiac disease. And I'm going somewhere, so hang with me, please. Ethan was still struggling with celiac disease, and so we were at NAYC in Ju July, I guess that was. I don't remember what night it is. I think it was the second night. But we were praying, and the Lord is moving, and I just felt something quicken in my spirit as I'm standing there looking at my youth group pray that the Lord wanted to perform a healing in Ethan's body. But me, obviously, you can tell, I'm not very shy. And I was ready to just, you know, jump up, jump over the chairs and just do the youth pastor thing and just lay my hands on him and shake him until he got healed. You know what I mean? Just kidding. I try not to do that. If I do that to you, just look at me and say, stop. And I will. I want to go pray with my friend Ethan because I, I believed that the Lord was going to heal him. And I believed I had a word from the Lord that the Lord was going to heal him. But the Lord stopped me, Sister Slinda, and he said, I don't want you to pray for him. And I was like, what do you mean, Lord? He said, I want you to go get his brother. I want you to go get someone who has seen God's miracle working power, but not just seen it, but experienced firsthand. And I want you to, to go to ask Christian, and I want you to see if Christian will pray for him because I want to use his brother for me to work through to perform this healing. And so I went to Christian. And I asked him, I said, Christian, do you believe the Lord can heal your brother? And he said, yes. So our faith was aligned. And I said, well, I want you to go pray for him. And I watched as this young man went over and he laid his hands on his brother. Lightning didn't strike the place. It's not like Christian was glowing with this holy glow, but he just laid his hands on him. And he began to proclaim the word of faith. And what happened that night, and it has been tested many times now, but what has happened that night is that the Lord used Christian to pray for his brother to perform a healing in his brother. Can I tell this church something? If we would get out of the way and we would let this generation work and operate in the spirit. There is something that will come to new life when a generation of kids' life will lay their hands on their parents and see them recover. When Nexus will go to someone and give them a word of knowledge. You know where that started? It started when Christians said, I will be a dwelling place. You say, Jace, you're awfully fired up, man, I am. Because I see the potential in these young people. I see the hand of God on them. I 
See, I don't care what you think about my Nexus students. If you have anything to say about them, come to me. I'd love to hear it. I'd love to hear it. You can say what you can about this next generation. But I see a generation, Pastor Nate, who loves the Lord. And I see a generation that's made up in their mind, I'll be a dwelling place. I see a generation when we hold Monday night prayer, they take time out of their busy schedule and come and they fill that chapel and they pray on Monday nights. I see a generation that says, Lord, use me however you want. And it all starts. The very beginning. When I say, I'll be a dwelling place. Uh, Lord, you can dwell here. It doesn't matter what this world says. It doesn't matter. There are so many contradictory ideas out in this world that would try to confuse us and confuse us as adults and confuse us as parents and confuse our, this, these young people. But yet, would we stand up and say, Lord, I'll be a dwelling place? Because when we invite the Spirit of the Lord in, our thoughts become his, or his thoughts become our thoughts. And his ways become our ways. And every confused doctrine of this world that could come against us and try to confuse us as parents, it, it passes away. It's washed away by the Spirit of God because now we're being led by the Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. You can be seated. I'm almost done. We must be a dwelling place. We have to be a dwelling place. There's no question about it that I, we have to say, Lord, your spirit is welcome here. But it has to be an everyday thing. It has to be a consistent thing. It has to be a consistent proclamation that, Lord, you are welcome here. It grieves me when I begin to read 1 Kings 9, and I believe it's 10, when it begins to talk about Solomon, how he gave himself up to all of his wives and all his concubines. But not only did he do that, he gave himself over to their gods. He began to build them, the word says high places, or they, he began to build them altars, where then now, where he just built this beautiful temple for Jehovah. The one true God, now he's allowed himself to be influenced. And now he's building high places and he's building altars for false gods. It perplexes me. Take just, if you want to do just a little bit of an interesting Bible study, just begin to, to research these gods that he built high places for. Most of them required sacrifice, but they were child sacrifices. It's always the plan of Satan to try and destroy our children. But Solomon went from building this 
marvelous and beautiful temple to the Lord to now building high places for his wives to go and sacrifice and allowing false doctrine and allowing false gods and idols into the land of Israel. So if we can learn anything from Solomon, that it's not just a one-time thing where the Lord fills me with this spirit, but yet it's a daily occurrence where I say, Lord, I want to be the dwelling place. Lord, if there's anything in my life that's getting out of line, if there's anything that's a little off tilter, I want you to show me. I want you to show me. I want you to direct me. If we could all stand. But the Lord gives Solomon a promise before he turns away from him and begins to establish the high places. And I want to read that real quick. 1 Kings 9, 1 and 3. It says, And it came to pass when Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house and all Solomon desired which he wanted to do, that the Lord appeared to Solomon a second time as he had appeared to him in Gibeon. And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer. And your supplication that you have made before me. I have consecrated or I have separated, I have made holy this house which you have built to put my name there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Will be there forever believe the Lord is speaking to us today. And he's saying, if you would turn to me, kids life, if you would turn to me, Nexus, if you would turn to me, Hyphen, if you would turn to me, adults, if you would turn to me, I'll consecrate your life. I'll, I'll separate your life. I'll make that your life holy. But not only that, but my eyes and my heart will be with you forever. Forever. I can think, it's, I, it's such a great promise. If I turn myself over to the Lord and I say, all right, Lord, let me be the house in which you dwell that not only will he come and he'll dwell there, but he'll, his eyes will be on my life forever. And his heart will be with me forever. That I know that no matter where I go, as long as he's the dwelling place, there he will be. I know this is not, this is such a simple message. And it's not, not some just theological masterpiece. But I believe that it all starts here. It does. Young people, I can't go and teach a Bible study to my friends until I establish the Lord a dwelling place in my heart. I can't go across the seas and be a missionary until I establish the dwelling place. 
We must be at dwelling. If that is your desire today, if that's your prayer, I pray you would just fill this altar. You just come forward right now. If that's your prayer, Lord, I want to be that dwelling place. That's it, new life. Just cry out to the Lord for a moment. Huh? Lord, we want you to be, Lord, in our lives. We want our lives to be a dwelling place for you. Huh? I pray that your, your spirit would dwell inside of me forever and ever, Lord. That I would never turn from you, but forever I would be a dwelling place for you today. Ah. such a great promise that the Lord gives us that one day he's coming back for his church we'll be caught up in the clouds we'll be with him for eternity mm. but I have to decide today before that day even comes that Lord I'm gonna, I want you to dwell in my life now so that I could then dwell with you for eternity I mentioned at the very beginning, but the Lord is seeking to pour out His Spirit on all flesh. On all flesh. And if you haven't received His Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, if you haven't received the Holy Ghost, guess what? Today is your day. If that's you, we're going to pray here in just a second. If that's you, and you want to be filled with the Lord's Spirit, just tap your neighbor on the shoulder and say, hey, I want that. I want to be that dwelling place. I want to be that, that life where God can reside forever. If that's you, just tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, that's you. They'll pray with you or they'll get someone who's comfortable praying with you. But we, have not, we must make sure that we're a dwelling place.
I look at the elders of our church and I look at the elders of this movement and there is one common denominator amongst them all that there was a crossroads where they decided once and for all Lord I'm going to be that dwelling place this church was built upon men and women who said I will be that dwelling place. Nothing else will do but your spirit residing in my life forever. Your spirit directing me and leading me forever. And that is, I mentioned at the forefront of this message, but that is what will continue this church moving forward. That is what will continue pushing the gospel forward. So let's lift our hands. If, you, if, this one, if you're needing the Holy Ghost, tap your neighbor on the shoulder and let them know. But could we lift our hands one more time? Lord, we, wanna, we want to be that dwelling place. 